What anybody says, it doesn't matter what you see around, you're going to make it through. One of the blessings of salvation is that you see the different dimensions of grace. Grace brings you salvation. But once you are in there, grace opens up different things for you. How many of us here have a story to tell? How many of us know that our life is a story in itself? The good, the bad, and the ugly. You see, what makes grace so awesome is that it's not for those very good people. Neither is it there for those very bad people. Grace is there for all of us to appropriate. I pray that after today you will not forget that you have grace. That you have grace. You know? Last week we started having a look at... I'm going to try and share something a little bit. But it doesn't matter because grace has found you. And grace is with you. Grace is one of those things that... Even defining it, we keep defining it. Unmerited favor and common days. What you don't deserve... But you see, when we have said all of that, we realize that grace goes beyond it. Last Sunday, we're looking at it and we realize that even going through the word of God, the word itself is full of grace. The word itself is full of grace. And you see, the reason why that particular thing you must also not forget. I pray that as we come to church Sunday after Sunday, we are not just coming and listening to a message and being happy and going to listen to another message another time. But I pray that we appreciate and use what we hear. Because you see, when John 1.14 was talking about the word of God being full of grace and truth, what we must realize is that multiplied grace also comes from the knowledge of him. Second Peter, let's look at it. Second Peter 1, verse 2 says that grace and peace be multiplied unto you through the knowledge of God and of Jesus Christ, our Lord. Multiplied grace, multiplied peace comes, comes through the knowledge of God. And of Jesus our Lord. It means that as we get to understand, as we get to know, as we increase in knowledge, grace is also being multiplied. Amen. Because you see, even when we say there are grace, you know, for different things, grace for favor, grace for influence, grace for multiplication, but there are also measures of it. Multiplied grace. So you can have grace for favor, but it's level one grace. So the favor you are getting is, you know, a piece of chicken here, a piece of extra. Somebody will buy a little baby goat, baby lamb, and come and drop. Isn't that favor? Yeah, I was thinking of you, and then I went to um, Continental, and they had fresh meat there. And I bought you a box. It's powerful. But it's a level. Because whilst you are receiving that level of grace of a box of chicken, somebody also is being told, you know, I just bought three of the new builds in um, uh, Bramhope, and I just felt my spirit I should give you 
one of those houses. Both have received something they were not expecting. Both have been favored. But the measure is different. Their level is different. Do you understand? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Grace for influence. Yeah. You can influence one or two people. But somebody can influence a whole nation. But multiplied grace comes with knowledge. That's why you should not be ignorant. You should not be ignorant that you carry grace. You should not be ignorant. Because once you know that you have something that is valuable, you will look after it well, you will invest it well, and if there's more of it to take, you will go and get more of it. Do, do, do you understand what I'm saying? Yeah. Some of us, a couple of years ago, you know, I remember we were having conversations and we were being pressured to buy uh, bitcoins. And it didn't make any sense to me at all. But you and I know that today it makes sense. <laughs> Even though it still doesn't make sense. But <laughs> do, do, do you get what I'm saying? Yeah. So for some of us, we may have had grace that we've locked in a uh, suitcase somewhere. You got saved, God gave you grace, and then you boxed it up, sellotaped it, sealed it, and put it in the loft. Today we are bringing every grace from the loft down. We are bringing every grace from the loft down. Amen. Any grace at all that is there for us, we are bringing it down. We looked at Hebrews 4.16. It says that we should come boldly to the throne of grace so that we will get what? Mercy and find grace to help. When you look at the Amplified, it says that not just any kind of help, Jonathan, but the particular, put the Amplified there, Therefore, let us with privilege approach the throne of grace. That is the throne of God's gracious favor with confidence and with fear so that we may receive mercy for our failures and find his amazing grace to help in times of need. An appropriate blessing, something, an appropriate help, the kind of help you need, coming just at the right moment. So the right help at the right time. Do, do you understand? The right help at the right time. The right help at the right time. If you are 60 and you are trying to get through your GCSE, you know, and you have an auntie and she comes and she says that, I have the best man to marry you. He's awesome. Do you understand? Yeah, it may be good help at a totally wrong time. I'm 16. I don't even understand algebra. You're going to add other more problems to my current problems. But maybe when you get to 26 and that auntie arrives with that information, with that person, you realize that it is the right help at the right time. So it's not even just about getting help. Sometimes you, you know, you are looking for a job, you are looking for a job, you are not getting, you are not getting, and you think that God is not hearing you. But then the way you know that it is grace is that at a particular time, a certain particular job appears on your lap without even much effort. Yeah. Because the thing that defines grace is that you are not involved in it. If you are engaged in the process, then it's not grace. Then it is you and your ability and your skill. Do you understand? And that is why we cry out for grace because our ability and our skill can only take us so far. Do you understand? Our ability and our skill can only do so much. So we do that, then we trust God for grace to complete it. Or to increase it. Yeah. Grace makes the difference. 
And the main word about it is that it's unmerited. You understand? Yeah, whether it's increase, whether it's multiplication, whatever it is, you did not merit it. But God has decided that he will give it to you. God has decided that he will help you. Yeah. Some of us, how many of us, don't raise your hand, have had such bad lifestyles, we can't, still, we can't believe you are still healthy. Don't raise your hand, just down. If you look at the kind of things you have taken into your system, the kind of drugs, alcohol, all kinds of multiplications. When you go and your doctor says, you're a very healthy person. You're you're wondering whether the doctor is a liar or is not a good doctor. It's only grace of God. How many of us have slept with so many men, so many women, and somehow some of these major diseases have not dropped on us? Yes, there are some people that they didn't even, they're not even bad. They were raped and they got HIV. Yeah. Meanwhile, you, you have been from room to room. Let me come down. You have been from car to car. I'll come further down. <laughs> from bus, listen, I've been on a bus in London. I can't really remember even the bus number. I think it was bus 40 in the evening. And I was from church or prayer meeting, and there were people at the back of the bus. (laughs) Second Corinthians 9, we read it. The Bible says in verse 8, and God is able to make all grace abound towards you. That you always having all sufficiency in all things may abound to every good work. The scripture is saying that make all grace. That's why I'm trying to let you know that even though we say grace, grace, and it's just one word that you use, there are different types of grace. It says all grace. It means there are all kinds of grace. Do you understand? Yeah. To be a mother, you need grace. To be a father, you need grace. To walk this Christian journey, you need grace. All kinds of grace. Some of us are struggling with certain things. All we need is grace to come upon that. And you see that you are delivered. Grace to come upon that and you see that you are able to do it. For me, even in my work life, there are times that I'm given a project and I can look at the project and I go to Reverend and I say, this one, unless God. You know, every now and again, then I get some of these things brought to me and then I look at it and I'm like, yeah, yeah, this one, knowledge is not enough. And then I'll come to Reverend, and the Reverend will remind me that you always end up being able to do it. But what it is really is that in the end, grace will come and help you. Grace will come and help you. Yeah, grace will come and help you. If you're a student here, as a child of God, you have to realize that grace is there for you. Sometimes I have to switch my computer or switch everything off and all the figures are mixed up in my head and then I leave it, you know, and maybe the next morning I'm like, God, this morning when we switch this computer, today is today. Sometimes you turn the computer and then the answer just appears. It's not because you thought through some deep, deep things. Grace found you. All kinds of grace. You see, when we get saved... Salvation grace has worked. But try and look for all the other kinds of grace. 
Do you know that when you look at scripture, you look at Solomon, he had grace to be a king. He had grace to be a judge. He, has, he had grace to prosper, but he definitely did not have grace for marriage. <laughs> when it came to relationships, minus not. So grace abounded to him, but not in every area. So what areas are you lacking grace in? What areas are you lacking grace in? Some of us, we are working hard. We are working. We are saving, but our balance doesn't change. It's not even like you waste money. You don't particularly waste money. You don't don't waste money. But every time the thing is stagnant, like dirty water, it doesn't shift. You need some. And there are some also, they don't have to do much. They don't have to do much at all. They They just get, you know, an opportunity that they can save their money here. Or an opportunity they can. And then you are like, Every month, I'm saving 20 pounds, 20 pounds. At least at the end of the year, you see I'm at 240 pounds. Then you see 132. Ah, what has happened to this one? There is a grace for that. As a church, we should be praying that God give us grace for souls. Give us grace for the city we are in. Give us grace for the land we are in. It should be our heart cry. If we cry out for that grace, God will give it to us. That is when God will show us favor. And then when we meet an unsafe person and we talk to them, they don't see us, but they see Jesus. There is a grace for that. There is a grace for that. Wow, you brought up your children so well. You know that is the grace of God. You know, in fact, because some of the examples you set for your children wasn't good. If your children had followed in your footsteps, don't become what they have become. I was hearing a man of God who was preaching, and I think he was having a particular issue in his church. You know, and he was like, you know, you are 72, and then it's 9 p.m., and then you have put on your net leggings, and and where are you going? (laughs) Yeah. So the 72-old grandmother plus the 52-old daughter plus the 90-year-old granddaughter are all heading in the same direction. If should the light come on in the nightclub, they'll bump into each other. But then somehow your daughter is able to turn their life around. It's grace. It's grace. It's grace. Tell somebody I have grace. I have all kinds of grace. All kinds of grace. May everything you do, may you find grace in it. May you find grace in it. May you find grace in your Christian work. May you find grace in your business. May you find grace in your family. May you find grace in your life. May you find grace in your home. In your going out and in your coming in, may you find grace. It is because of the existence of grace. That's why scripture says that we should come unto him, all ye that labor, and I'll give you rest. Because when there's grace there, you don't need too much. Sometimes it's too much. You understand? You've tried to chat up every girl. They say no. At some point, you have to step back. Hey, you use force. They said no. You weren't kindly. They said no. 
you try to intimidate them, they said no. At some point, you should just step back. Yeah. And you will see that grace will come and find you. You end up marrying. You know, Reverend gave that example when we were much younger, you know. And um, Reverend's squad that he had, he had this um, drama. I'm not joking. Not dramas in this drama. What's that thing they, they hit? Conga. They want to go, noise is noise, noise. And when he's playing it, and the thing gets to a place where he cannot contain the Holy Spirit, he begins, he leaves the conga, and he rolls through the middle of the chest and rolls back. And then he would somersault, and then somersault back to go and play a couple of notes. But if the praise and worship put take the song on another level, then he has to come back. It used to be scary. And this guy was a pharmacist. I don't know if he was taking some of the drugs he was selling. Anyway. <laughs> you know, the, it was, if you are his mother, you'll be embarrassed. If you are his sister, you'll be embarrassed. I mean, the, I mean, David will not have anything on him. And, and sometimes you, you, the song is finished, but he hasn't finished dancing. And this guy tried. Ooh. You know, all these young, young boys were coming, then they'll marry. The, the young boys will come, then they'll marry. The young boys will come, then they'll marry. The young boys, even when somebody is trying to recommend him, the people feel offended. That of all the people you can come and, you know, introduce to me and point out to me, is this the person? Hey. As we speak, he has one of the best marriages. He has one. Yeah, because you see, eventually grace finds you. Grace finds you. Yeah. Because sometimes you see that the same place, somebody is always well dressed. They, 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 you know, always, yeah, and nobody likes them. Yeah. And you can't even understand. And then you find somebody too that, in fact, their color combinations, we have to help and form a committee and just, yeah. But when grace rests upon them, you see, it will make us stop this excess battling, excess struggle. I believe that as a child of God who is appropriating grace, wherever you are at, you will be content. The Bible says godliness with contentment is great gain. It's not because you don't have ambitions, but because you know that because God is with me, whatever I need for the moment, he will give it to me. I tell you, you know, sometimes we say things. It's like, oh, I want a marriage. I want a child. I wanted this. I wanted this. Stop getting so stressed out of I want, I want. Because sometimes the reason why it's not coming is because God knows the distraction that lies with that particular thing at that particular time. Yes, telling you. You know. There was a time when my mother was trying to stress my sister out that your younger, because she's my only, your younger sister is married. When are you getting married? I had to rebuke my mother. Because my sister was about to go into a marriage that would have been just deadly. And you see that concept of, well, at least it's better to be married. What scripture is that? In fact, scripture explains it that it's because of our weakness, that's why we need to marry. But we have elevated it to a place where it ought not to be elevated. 
There are people who are married and their life has been miserable there ever after. There are people who have had children and their lives have been miserable there. They've been just, they just have to visit their son in prison, visit their daughter in their this, visit their this and their that. You don't know why God is delaying what he's delaying. But we know that in his time, he makes all things beautiful. How our Christian life will be joyful if we would just appreciate that what we don't have does not make a difference to our joy. I always tell you that what you don't have is always overrated. It's always overrated. It's always overrated. I am telling you that it is. Some of us is like, I just need to buy a car. I just need to buy a car. If I get a car, you know, all this bus issue, bus issue will stop. But Sam, don't you agree with me that when you get a car, you need a nicer car? Ah, we're having a conversation. I had to remind you. I say, hey, brother. <laughs> Show some gratitude. Because once you move to another level, you forget even where you came from. You forget. People wanted to marry, wanted to marry. They married and they despised their spouse. They looked down upon their spouse. But you prayed and fasted. And then when it was delivered to you, you realized that, hey, <laughs> I didn't know you would talk about me this way. Some of us, we know that we can serve God better. We know that we can, but we are still chasing things that if we were to stop chasing them, they will start chasing us. When scripture says, seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and everything else, he says, seek the kingdom of God. It didn't say, come and seek prosperity. It didn't say, come and seek whatever. Uh, come and, it says, seek the kingdom of God. But even the church is moving away from that. If you're a Christian and you've been a Christian for a while, you should have enough grace to share the word of God. You should have enough grace. I mean, Pastor Sam is standing here. Um, invite someone to need. He does not need to do that. It should be a burden on our hearts that if I know somebody, I'm going to tell them. It should be a burden on our hearts. Yeah. Meanwhile, we are looking for all the other things and we've left the first line. Yeah. yeah. We read scriptures. My God shall supply all your needs. But read the scripture before. The people made provision for the, uh, what do you call it? The missionaries, the apostles. They made provision. They saved them. They took care of them. And then that blessing came upon them. Tell somebody I'm changing. I'm changing. I'm changing. Yeah. Today I want to just talk about one thing. We have 10 minutes and we shall go. We are looking at attributes of grace and I want us to look at the spirit of grace. Grace is a spirit. Grace is a spirit. That is why the intangible nature of it makes us not value it so much. I want to read a couple of scriptures and then we are going to go home. Grace is a spirit. Do you know that the more we preach about this, the more grace comes upon us? Yeah. If you like anything at all you desire, if you focus on it, read about it, Pray about it, talk about it, look at it, study about it. It will come to you. It will come to you. It will come to you. It will, it will come to you. Yeah. Good or bad, it will come to you. Those who want to be really efficient drug dealers, they don't just... The YouTube's off. Listen, Zechariah 12 verse 10. In the Amplified, the scripture says, 
and I will pour out upon the house of David, upon CICC, upon your home, upon my home, upon the inhabitants of Jerusalem, the spirit of grace. Somebody say the spirit of grace. Unmerited favor and supplication. Ah. And they shall look earnestly upon me, whom they have pierced, and they shall mourn for him as one mourns for his only son, and shall be in bitterness for him as one who is in bitterness for his firstborn. This scripture was a prophetic word about the coming Messiah and what was going to happen. But the scripture is saying that as for the house of David and as for Jerusalem, the spirit of grace came upon them so that they could recognize and they could see. In Hebrews 10, the Bible says in verse 29, in the King James, he says, Of how much worse punishment do you suppose will he be thought worthy? Who has trampled the Son of God underfoot, counted the blood of the covenant by which he was sanctified, a common thing, and insulted the spirit of grace? The message Bible says that we spit on the sacrifice that made you whole. Somebody say mercy. What do you think will happen if you turn on God's son and spit on the sacrifice that made you whole and insult the most gracious spirit? What do you think will happen? Saying that that sacrifice, that sacrifice Christ did, it brought us what? The spirit of grace. When we read the first scripture, Isaiah 12, 10, the first thing it says that it says it is poured out, which means that grace is poured. Do you understand? It's not sprinkled. It is poured. Do you understand? It's not one. If you have a teaspoon of something, you don't pour. It drops. Do you understand? When you think of something pouring, you are thinking of volume. When it's drizzling, you don't go and say, hey, the rain is pouring down. When somebody comes to you in a room and says it's pouring, then you are expecting to go out and see, do you understand, some force and some... And that is how we should see grace. It's not a trickle. It's not a drop. And we don't want drops of grace. We want grace to be what? Poured out on us. We want grace to be, you know, on the day of Pentecost when they were guarded, what happened? The spirit what? Was, and it says that, and it shall come, verse 17, and it shall come to pass. Acts 2, verse 17. And it shall come to pass in the last days, said God, I will pour out of my spirit upon all flesh and your sons and your daughters. It says, I will pour out. Spirit is poured out. The spirit of grace is also poured out. It is poured out. Which tells you also that apart from the fact that it is being poured out, it also tells you its speed. Do you understand? You don't see rain slowly coming. <laughs> it comes. Do you understand? It has some rapidness to it. It has some, you know, it's like being on a conveyor. It has some rapidness to it. So it's like, I'm trying to get this finished. I'm trying to write this. I'm trying to become this. I'm, but when grace comes, it just pushes you. Yeah, there's a slide in South Africa. I don't know what it's called. That is the most, as far as I'm concerned, that's the most dangerous slide. And if you will, the church will remind me, one day I'll bring a picture of Reverend on the slide. It's the most valuable picture on the planet. I think he tried to tear it up, but the picture is somewhere. It's the most dangerous slide. And the only, the only thing is that there's water pushing you down. Unfortunately, there's not much on your side to side. So you can't avoid it. Because if you avoid it, you're going to do, you know, a, a big drop down. In fact, you have to be a certain height 
to even attempt that, you know. And the first time we went there, the person who took us had a son who was not of that height. And our children were also not of that height. So all the children were told to go somewhere. So, of course, those of us who regard ourselves in the same way joined the children to go to wherever. And then the adults who thought they were adults decided to go on that. And then I saw adults, some of them we know, some we don't know, screaming, coming down as the water was pushing them rapidly. Then one of the grown-ups who also went, one of the grown-ups who also went down came. I mean, when she came, she was fainting, she was dizzy. And then I was like, who forced you people to go on this thing? Then she was like, where are the children? I said, oh, all the children are here. Then she looked, and she couldn't find her son. So we're like, "Ah, where's your son? And then my children said, oh, he's gone on there. (laughs) So as we turned, there he was. (laughs) I told her that, you see, you can't scare him now, because where he is, is already a scary place. So show some love, you know. (laughs) Show some joy. Tell him to be gentle. Just Whatever you're planning to do to him, not in this moment. Where he is, you can't even reach him. And where he is, there's no turning back. The only way is that we have to pray that somehow he descends safe. <laughs> ah, is that it? No, that's not it. Oh, this one, you have uh, rocks or something. That one, it doesn't have anything on the side. Nothing. Just has a, you have to be there because if you turn this way, you are coming right down. If you can find that one, it will be very powerful. But all it has is water pushing you down. And the speed, it doesn't, just a few seconds. Before you blink, and then when you get down, you have to stay down there for, and then get your balance back. May grace do that to us. Yeah. It will push us into opportunities. It will push us into blessings. It will just push us. Yeah. Yeah, I don't think I can do it. I don't think I have the capacity. I don't think I'm qualified. I don't think I'm able. I, you are, you are, then God just... The spirit of grace is out of somebody's sacrifice. It's Christ's sacrifice that gives us that spirit of grace. It is Christ's sacrifice. Yeah. And it is. The reason why it's even being described as a spirit, because it's a supernatural thing. Grace is a supernatural thing. Grace is a supernatural thing. It is something that unless spiritually you are sensitive, you will not appreciate it as grace. Do you understand what I'm saying? Yeah, you will not appreciate it. You say it was chance. It was luck. You know when you're going to take exams and someone says good luck? Don't always be accepting it. Yeah, I don't, I don't walk by luck. Yeah, luck is for those who are going to stake their lottery and they've done four, two, eight, nine. And then Saturday they are watching to see if their numbers came. Yeah, and they've been doing it for 13 years. They've won 10 pounds so far. And yet they've spent like 200 pounds. Yeah, you say next week, next week, next week. I was so surprised. I used to work, many years ago, I used to work somewhere. The managing director was in the lottery syndicate. I said, you have millions and millions. You are still come to fight for. <laughs> and the thing was that you are in that syndicate based on how much you are contributing. So if should the syndicate win, you get the percentage based on what you put in, isn't it? So he was always putting 50 pounds a week. You know, others were putting two pounds. And I kept telling them that they should give me the money. I will bring them great reward. I will go and invest it somewhere. I spent maybe about five or six years in that workplace. The, sun, the Monday mornings that they came and they were happy, they had won like 18 pounds. 
between them, then they will say, oh, let's put it back in. <laughs> this week, nobody has to contribute. We have enough to put in. Then the following week, they have to contribute. So some people used to contribute for the month, two pounds times four, or for, you know. And I was like, you're wasting your money. You're wasting your money. You're wasting. Grace is not a lottery. Grace is not luck. By chance, I happen to. You didn't happen to. God orchestrates. When we had the July 7th um, bombing in um, London, we had a church member who came to give her testimony that she woke up, got ready to go to work, and she had to catch bus 30. And something, something, something was just delaying her. Something, something. So at a point, she just, and then before she knew, she had missed the bus. Something. It's not something. It's grace. It's grace. It's not something. It's not something. It's not something. It is grace. Spirit of grace. One of the things about the spirit also is that it gives life. It says that when the spirit of God moved and it breathed, isn't it? It brought life. When the spirit of grace is upon you, it brings life. Those of us who are dying off in our faith. We are dying off in our marriage. We are dying off in our life. We are, dying. we are just about to give up. All you need is for the spirit of grace to breathe upon you again. Spirit of grace, breathe upon. Yeah. Brings life. It can quicken dead things. It can make dead things come alive. Yeah. And you see, we need to talk about this because what we are coming to realize is that the grace that you used yesterday, you cannot use it today. The grace for yesterday will not work for today. You need today's grace. You need life every day. You need breath every day. Can't say, oh, yesterday I was breathing, I'm fine. If you don't breathe today, you'll die. So you must see grace as life. You want to keep living, you need grace. It brings life. Wherever grace is, there's life. I want to say one last thing before we go. I pray that from today we will activate grace. Yeah. We'll activate grace. We'll treat it like how when you're starting your car, you start your engine, isn't it? Yeah. And then you have to keep the engine on so that the car will be running. As soon as you turn the engine off, the car stops. Yeah. Grace will keep it going. Do you understand? You use grace to activate it, then you use grace to run it. Sometimes we use grace to start. I'm saved then that's all. You need it all the way through. And when it's activated, you have to keep it activated. I used to have. May we never run out of grace. May we never run out of grace. I've put here, I said that the spirit of grace defines a special attitude or a frame of mind if we allow it to take over. The spirit of grace defines a special attitude or a frame of mind. It means that you can have that kind of mindset. You can have a grace mindset. It says that a mental disposition that brings firmness, tenacity, perseverance, and a level of assertiveness to character. It brings firmness, tenacity, perseverance. You see, when you know grace is upon you, 
you don't stop forcing. You don't stop pushing. Because you know that eventually you are going to break through. Because you are certain of the grace. In fact, let me tell you this. That when the spirit of grace is upon you, it overrides even your temperament. Do you know that it is the grace that will make you do what people assume you shouldn't be able to do? Oh, you are melancholic, or you are choleric, or you are phlegmatic. Yeah, but you see that the person is a very good leader. But they are supposedly supposed to be phlegmatic or uh, sanguinic. They may be a sanguine, they may appear careless, but when the grace is upon them, it makes them appear orderly. It makes them appear determined. It makes them even set a good example. It makes them lead well. We see that when we say that's a strong leader. We say that's a good leader. It overrides even our temperament. It overrides it. It overrides it. Yeah. You want to be a good shepherd in the house. Grace has to override the way you are. You want to be a good pastor. Yeah, when you hear that pastor slap somebody. If you touch me, I'll slap you. <laughs> hey. What, what, what happened to grace? Because that is your natural self. That you don't tolerate nonsense. These church members are, if you touch me, I'll slap you. <laughs> you understand? But when grace comes upon you, they even say, oh, our pastor is so nice. Our pastor is, yeah. I'm a living example. I am not a smiley, nice person. Yeah. Anybody who's known me when I was six years old, eight years old, 14 years old, 19 year old will tell you she doesn't smile. If you find my mother, find her, she will tell you. She used to come and tell me that if you keep squeezing your face, your face will crumble. When teenagers wanted to go out, I'll be in bed. She'll tell you, I, am, I just wanted to know that the sun had come out. Just in case you want to know. I cannot pastor and always be frowning. I cannot pastor and say I don't want anybody around me. I cannot pass and say I don't like people. I cannot pass and say don't come and hug me. They shouldn't come and hug you. Who should they go and hug? But grace finds you. And then when I find myself, you know, sometimes people be like, Mommy, sometimes you, you worry people's issues that you are carrying. Sometimes your burdens make me weep. I'm not crying because I have a problem. I'm crying because you have a problem. And I'm trying hard to help and pray and say, Lord, please bring an answer. Not for me. Because my natural self will be like, just rise up and stop this. Get your act together. Anybody who was in my high school invest to tell you, when people come, I'm half broken heart. I'm, he says he doesn't like me. And you two don't like him. See, that's not a nice thing to say. Grace will override your temperament. Yeah. So those of us who are not able to talk to people about Christ, there is grace available to overcome your shyness. There is grace available to give you boldness. Haven't you realized that a lot of pastors, when they are preaching, they appear, then when they finish preaching, then their wives will say, oh, they don't talk, oh, they're always quiet. But when the grace is there, there's in Zechariah 12, verse 10, in the Message Bible, it says that, we are closing now. Next, I will deal with the family of David and those who live in Jerusalem. I will pour out, I'll pour a spirit of grace and a spirit of prayer over them. The spirit of grace and the spirit of prayer may it come upon you. Then it says that they will then be able to recognize. You see, I want you to see a couple of things in this scripture 
that the grace that is upon you determines what is around you. The grace that is upon you determines. And when we go through this scripture, it says that, and they will weep. Oh, how they weep. Deep mournings as of a parent grieving. So first of all, they will recognize what they have done. And then they will weep, they will weep, they will weep, they will weep as a parent mourns a child. The lamentation of Jerusalem they, that day will be massive. And it goes on, it says that everyone will weep and grieve in the land. And everyone in the family of David, everyone will have bitterness. Verse 14 says that, and all the rest of the families off by themselves. And their women off by themselves. What it is saying is that when you have the spirit of grace and you have the spirit of prayer, it opens your eyes to recognize. It opens your eyes to be able to... Do you know that recognition is even a spirit? People are able to recognize people and say, this person is a good person. Or everybody is saying, this person is a good person. But when the spirit of recognition is upon you, you are able to see that, no, this person is not a good person. It says that the spirit of mourning the spirit of separation, the spirit of forgiveness. He says that every house, the spirit of separation. There are so many spirits, the spirit of bitterness. Let me tell you that if the spirit of bitterness is upon you, there'll be spirit of bitterness around you. Your home will be filled with bitterness. If there's the spirit of mourning upon you, there'll be mourning around you. If there's the spirit of joy around you, there'll be joy around you. If the spirit of grace is upon you, there'll be grace around you. You determine don't just say that, you know, this thing has really hurt me. I'm really angry. You know, don't get bitter because it's not just about you. It's going to infuse into everything around you. Haven't you realized that there are some people, they are so joyful when they come around, you start laughing. Do you understand? Even when you are upset, you are not, they come, you know, like Franca. She always has something to say. Do you understand? Yeah. And then you start laughing. And there are some people too, when they come around you, hey. After they leave, you have to pray, intercede. And that is the heaviness that we can have in our homes. We are focusing on the morning. We are focusing on the thing that is destroyed. We are focusing, and so gradually, we are even building our children up to become better. Because if it's upon you, it will come upon your children. If it's upon you, it will come upon your home. If it's upon you, you realize that everything you are doing, it will. they said poison, you just need a teaspoon of poison. And the whole drum, the whole barrel is poisonous. Yeah. But when you have the spirit of grace and you have the spirit of prayer, your eyes are open and you realize that I've made my house a heavy place. I've made my house a sad place. I've made, because something sad has happened, yes. But if you dwell on it, then you catch the spirit that it carries. And before you know it, everybody in the house is miserable. Everybody in the house is sad. Everybody in the house is down. Even when they have got a victory, they can't rejoice. Yeah, I got a job. No. In my house, when you bring a victorious news, we somersault and we run. We behave like the drama, the conga guy. And we somersault and we... When I receive a phone call, I don't know how many of you, I'm sure Joel, when you call me and you give me good news, I'm sure that you are surprised at my reaction because... You are surprised, isn't it? Yeah, it's like, oh, is this a big deal? It is a big deal. It is a big deal. In some countries, 
when something bad happens, they spend more time. When something good happens, they say it's a waste of time. Oh, it's my birthday. Would you come? I don't have time. Oh, I have a funeral. Would you come? Yes. It's a spirit. It is a spirit that dwells in a land. It is a spirit that dwells in a family. It is a spirit that dwells in a church. It is a spirit. Listen, change the spirit in your house if you don't like it. Change the spirit over your life if you don't like it. Change the spirit that's over your children if you don't like it. Begin to regard the spirit of grace as a very important because out of grace comes love. Out of grace comes peace. Out of grace comes joy. Out of grace comes mercy. Out of grace, you declare it. Yeah, you declare it. You declare it. Grace is not only for me, it's for you too. And it's available for you. Enough of the sadness. Enough of the crying. I tell you that at some point, please let your tears be for the love of God. Let your tears be for the joy of God. Let your tears be because you are appreciating God. And stop crying over things that have already happened. And stop crying over things that you can't do very much about. And start crying and rejoicing. You know, please rise up onto your feet. In Zechariah 4, the Bible says in verse 6, it's not by might, it's not by power, but it's by my spirit. When you look at the verse 7, at the end of it, it says that we should be shouting and crying, grace, 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 grace. I want you to lift up your voice and shout, grace, 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 grace. Zachariah 4, verse 7. Yeah, it says that with shouts of grace, 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 grace. I don't know what you are expecting this week. I don't know what interview you have this week. I don't know what job you are going to this week. I don't know what you have planned for this week, but I'm declaring grace over it. I'm declaring grace over it. I'm declaring grace over it.